0: Solwete de Scipoli and salwete may omnes and etymologizers. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Latin and Laymans with your host, Mr. Liam Connerly here. Um, I opened up my email actually earlier today and I saw that one of my listeners had reached out to me. And I just want to appreciate you, Ray. Thank you so much, a.k.a. Mob and Babe. Uh, you've left a review on Apple Podcasts of which I am ever so grateful. So thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're able to come away learning something new every single time. And, and that's what it's all about. Like, I'm glad that you're able to just kind of like, listen, get something out of it. Um, really whenever, uh, you find the time you can do it while you're cooking, cleaning, uh, going to the bathroom. I don't care. You can do whatever you want as well as thank you for affirming that, uh, you don't hate my rambly bambly stuff because I know that I tend to ramble bamble. So I'm glad that, um, it doesn't deter you. I hope it doesn't deter other people. That being said, I'm just going to go into what you had to say, because I, I love that, uh, you kind of went on a little bit of a deep dive with December. Yes. December actually was the 10th month of the year. That's where we get DECA. Um, I'm glad I, uh, if you, uh, did do a little bit of a deep dive, you'll Come to see where and why we have also named the months as such, you know, July or um, you've got June for Juno, you got July for Julius, August for Augustus and so on. I won't get into it very much, but yes, actually, December was, um, according to the Roman calendar, the 10th month of the year, although we do have 12 months glad that you um did a little bit a bit of a deep dive because although it isn't the case now there is a reason as to which we referred to december as december from you know way long ago also because of what you had to say i'm very very interested in actually uh bridging up the the suffix and it can also be um, related is both a prefix and an affix. It can kind of change depending on what word it's found in. But the word icon, thought that that was very, very, very uh, interesting. And then I want to also talk about because you had given me a word Decepticon. Decept referring to deception. Uh, It actually is very close to decepto, which means to lie and or to deceive. Um, And then icon. Icon is actually Greek that refers to the likeness and or relatedness to. So if you are a Decepticon, you are the likeness and or related to deception. Um, this is also where we get the word emoticon. I didn't even think about this before, but emoti referring to emotion and icon referring to the likeness and or relatedness to emoticons are basically the best way that we can express emotion via text message um, because we only rely on words and, and text and something sometimes things can get lost in translation. In fact, a lot of the time they can, even when we use emoticons a lot of the time. Also, I just want to do another side tangent because I like to ramble bamble. Uh, I was on TikTok the other day and there's some dude talking about how men should not use emoticons because that makes them inferior and not alpha. Uh, I just want to say that whoever actually thinks that you're you're really a part of the problem and you need to stop okay emoticons do not make a man effeminate okay i think that they are a fun little meme if anything uh and uh you can use emoticons in any way shape and form so for those that believe as a man that you are in turn effeminate and or showing effeminate characteristics by using an emoticon um you need to get off that uh, that 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 wagon, that train that you've uh, kind of hopped on because this whole alpha male BS is really killing me because uh, the people that think that they're alpha males are in fact the people that uh, I could probably make insecure uh, the easiest. But that's not what I like to do. I just like to show that, hey, you don't have to weigh 150 or 250 pounds of pure muscle in order to be a man. Okay. So, and uh, you know what? I had a long conversation about skewed masculinity earlier, um, a couple of days ago. So it's on my mind anyways. Yes. If you have that framework, if you think emoticons are, uh, I don't know. Only for one gender or something like that, then you're you need to you need to move on past that. You need to you need to grow up, and that may be problematic for me to say, but it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to actually be a big boy. Okay, all right. Next word though that we're gonna get into, um, how about well iconography? I actually wrote an iconography a long time ago. Icon referring to the likeness and or relatedness to and ography or the graphy referring to the writing of, um, an iconography is a pictorial illustration of a subject. A lot of time, it can also refer to the collected representations of an illustrated subject, um, a set of specific or traditional symbolic forms associated with the subject or theme of a stylized work of art. Um, I did this. I did a huge paper when I was in freshman year of college, and I did an iconography, basically, pitting both the pre versus post-romantic view of World War One, and uh, the uh, the iconography of how it was depicted, uh, and the pre-romantic view of war and how it was depicted through all of these, um, you know, arts and poetry and writing because we had this romanticized view of war before World War One, and then after World War One, we had this post-romantic view where we saw the actual destruction and the horror that was war. So we had this pre-romantic view that was juxtaposed and absolutely the antithesis of what we saw after World War One, because we had just—it was awful. It was awful. If you, you'll think about—let's mm, see— Man, it was so long ago. I can't think of the the paper, but it's like dulce decorum mori, which means it is sweeting, is it, it is sweeting and fitting for it, to die for one's country, essentially. Um, but is it really? Is it really to do so? Um, maybe, but also maybe not. Regardless that's what an iconography is the likeness of writing. Basically, it's just like a, a culmination, just taking a bunch of different things, talking about them, all, uh, that are res- uh, uh, related and are associated with the same subject on and or themes. So for the pre-romantic, I focused on the fact that they had this very skewed form, uh, and view and stylized ideology of war, and that it was beautiful, and it was great, and it was, you know, you fought for your country, and that was a lot of, you know, America, except for World War One, which was Europe, and England, and man, uh, and, and then you read things like um, In Flanders Fields, for instance, where it, it's basically just a poem talking about chemical warfare. It's a beautiful poem, but it talks about literally, in Flanders Fields, um, uh, because the, in world war one is when they first started employing, um, chemical warfare and it's in Flanders field fields where it's this poem of this guy stanza by stanza talking about how he's rushing towards his gas mask through all of this chaos. And, you know, the gas is coming down and he's trying to get to it, but unfortunately it's too late to the point where, you know, death, it's really sad. And it really goes to show how shocked people were after World War I, you know, um, and the Western Front and just all of the death. You, you, never, you never really think about the destruction of war until you really sit down and you think about the gravity of it all. It's like thinking and sitting and understanding, uh, you know, the gravity of the Holocaust You know, can you imagine World War II wrapping up? You're a company of soldiers. You're making your way through the wilderness of Germany at the time, probably trying to, you know, regroup and rendezvous with a rendezvous, rendezvous with another um, company or something like that. And then in the middle of the woods, you come across some sort of encampment where you're not sure what's going on, but all of a sudden you just see emaciated bodies just completely strewn all over the place, dead. You see, maybe, maybe there's a few alive people. You don't know what's going on. And then all, all you have to rely on is photography and taking pictures and then being able to disseminate that information through couriers and radio and being like, what we just came across this camp? What is this? And then all these other people are communicating over, um, Germany and likes and in Poland, and they're like, "Wow, we found this too. What is this?" And then that's how we actually ended up understanding the difference between what they were doing—the concentration camps versus the processing camps versus the death camps. You know, we didn't know about this kind of stuff until the end of World War Two, uh, and to think about that—to think—to think—can you imagine, like, as a soldier coming across? a concentration camp and not knowing what that was and just seeing it for the first time and being like, what this is, it, it, I feel like I would, I would be in a dream. I feel like I would be in a horror movie because like the names, concentration, processing, death, internment, whatever it just sounds. It's, it's like we process people like on a factory line, like, like what we do when we go to the grocery store now and we see all the meats that are lining the the stores hey like i love meat and stuff like that but still thinking about it it's just so we treated humans like we treated animals and we still do that too you know anyways i'm ramble babbling. Next one, iconoclast. Icon again, the likeness and or relatedness to, and classic refers to someone that destroys. So an icon iconoclast is one who attacks and or seeks to overthrow traditional and or popular ideals um, slash in- institutions, or it's one who destroys sacred religious images. But that's another, you know, because icons were, can refer to religious images. In fact, icon is. Um, It refers to uh, a Greek statue which depicted a victorious athlete in a conventional style way back when. When you are iconic, that's where icon comes from. And uh, mob and babe, as you can see, icon can both be at the very end, that suffix and, or it can be appended at the very beginning, like iconic. Iconic just referring to the relatedness or... Um, the, the nature of an icon, aka the likeness of. Remember emoticon, the emotion, the likeness of emotion, the best way that we can express emotion via text message. Iconically, just really synonyms for that. Sin meaning together. Onim, the genitive form of nomen meaning name. A synonym for iconically would be symbolic, emblematic, um, representative, uh, just you know, relating to what is the icon. This is also actually where we get silicone from. Um, I was reading into this a little bit because silicon and silicone. There's one that ends in an e and one that doesn't, but actually they are very very similar in their derivations because the name silicone derives from the Latin silex or silicis, which means flint and or hard stone. In Latin, that's where it actually ended up transferring into silicone, um, be, which then translated into, well, silicone can also be silica, which silica gel is an amorphous and porous form of silicon di- dioxide. So it's a derivation of. So that consists of an irregular um, framework of uh, silicone. So it's silicone um, and silica or silicone, meaning flint and a rock. It actually, um, went from silicum uh, to English being carbon and then English also being boron. And then finally in early 19th century translate is transitioned into silicone, but it went from silex to silicium, to carbon, to boron, to silicon. Okay. Um, Silica gel packets, those are, you know, you when you open up anything that's dry, like beef jerky, for instance, it's a desiccant. If you don't know what a desiccant, that's something that helps keep things dry. So silica gel is made up of that silicon dioxide that I was talking about, di meaning two ox referring to oxygen. So two oxygens plus silicone, um, uh, which is naturally found in sand, right? So sand actually has those little bits of flint and/or hard rock within it. As you can see, it starts from one place, and then as language evolves, it takes on different um, meanings, and and then starts to encompass a little bit more. So I believe that's all I have on silica or on icon. Uh, oh, we also have another one orthicon orthi remember rem- refers to like or a straight right and or yeah straight or right or upright remember like orthodox orthodox like the orthodox church is just saying the straight right opinion of the church uh, the straight right right opinion church aka they're just saying that the orthodox church is the only right way because they're la- literally saying the right way twice within orthodox. So orthocon re- refers to the likeness and or relatedness to uh, something that is straight. Same thing with lexicon. Lexi, lex, legis, refers to law and or order. Um, and then con, icon, refers to the likeness and or relatedness too. So a lexicon refers to a vocabulary of a person or a language or a branch of knowledge, right? You can have a lexicon in in language as well as in uh some sort of different uh thing i don't know but i believe that's now all i have but i really love uh that i was given the idea to break down this icon etymology so thank you again ray thank you so much for your um your support and i just want to shout you out again And uh, if you ever have any other questions, comments, concerns, or if you want me to break down another word, or if you want me to go down uh, and maybe talk about this a little bit more, hey, you know what? I'm all about it. Thank you again so very much for you guys' inquisitive knowledge in nature and wanting to know more. You guys rock. Y'all are rock stars, my etymologizers, my people looking at the world, trying to understand it. Because... Hey man, the more I think about Arrival after I watched Arrival, the more I just, you know what, Mm. language is going to make this resurgence and this rhetoric revolution is going to happen. It's going to happen and it's going to make, it's going to hit critical mass. And once it hits critical mass, you guys, people are going to understand that language is so important because that just come on. How many of you, when I say public speaking, shiver in your footsteps right then and there, you know, you quake. Because public speaking sucks. It used to suck for me a lot, especially because I, and then I, you know, and then it would just become this stressful, anxiety, mess ridden thing. And now it's just all about knowing that you can do it and then being able to practice upon that and growing upon that, expounding on it, because practice makes. Well, it makes permanent, but it also makes better. You know, you can ingrain bad habits if you practice those bad habits, but if you ever want to get better at something, you just do it more and more and more. Hey, I was talking to somebody earlier and I was like, hey, how can I increase or get better at the, that, that. That that pocket, the lowest pocket of my squat, because I have really long legs. So when I get down into the lowest position position of my squat, pushing back up from that pocket is where I can get stuck the most. And I'm like, you know what? What what do I do in order to help myself between that moment where I, I stop my eccentric uh loading all the way down to the bottom of the squat and then transition into the concentric movement of trying to push myself back up to the top so that I can rack the weight back, um, on the squat rack, you know, what do I do? And the guy was just like, practice squatting, practice, pause squatting, just practice that different type of movement. If you want to get better at biking, bike more. If you want to get better at reading, read more. If you want to get better at writing, write more. It's just all about doing things, knowing that you know you will be an amateur at one point, but the more and more you do it, the more and more you prove to yourself that you're not really the amateur that you thought you were. So then, I'm going to get off my little TED talkity talk, uh, so boxity box, and say thank you again. If you guys got this far, Please show me some love and support. And uh, that was my Bluetooth speaker, if you guys heard it. But it powered off because I think there's a ghost in here. But uh, let's just hope I uh, I live to be able to do another um, Latin and layman's tomorrow. So uh, stay tuned, y'all. Tempo Sesta Scalerae.